Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, April 19th, 2021. I'm one of your host, Blessing Adioye Jr. Joining me is Tim Ma Gettys. Sucks there's nothing to talk about today, Bless. Slow news day. If only there was some breaking news, you know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, I swear oh. to God, right before we went live with the show, there was just like three things dropping, like boom, 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 including The Rock making a, not The Rock, uh, I got Diesel. confused because it's Vin <laughs> Diesel making a movie in the Rock'em Sock'em Robots universe. What does that even mean? Who cares? That's not what we're talking about here. Nah, Tim, we're talking about video games. We got to get into it real quick because we got a whole lot to talk about, Tim. Things like, and I got to scroll down for this one because I didn't even get to prep this. Things like the PlayStation Store continuing on PS3 and Vita. Is Apex Legends what? bringing in more Titanfall and more? Because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, roosteve.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show at to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you a new kind of funny podcast went up this morning and it's titled vampires versus werewolves vampires Kevin, can you bring versus up the werewolves thumbnail? would that be possible uh yeah you just gotta give me a second it's a great thumbnail because it's one of those ones where we have the Slack channel that we that we Fucking update. A. That's just oh called thumbnails, God. where we drop all the thumbnails for all the shows. And I just like I like tuning in every now and then to that Slack channel, even though like it's not my responsibility with thumbnail shit. But I, every now and then I feel like there's there's some gold, especially for kind of funny podcast. And let me tell you, over the weekend, Andy or whoever edited this did oh, not disappoint. <laughs> yeah, because I, yeah. I I saw it and I was like. Uh, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about <laughs> in kind of funny podcast based off this thumbnail, but whatever it is, it must be gold. Look at this. I this is it. nightmare fuel. It. It this really is absolutely is. nightmare fuel. Bless, would you believe that what led to this is us talking about would we rather be vampires or werewolves and Nick questioning if him being a werewolf would make him bigger and stronger? And I said, no, it would keep him small like moose. <laughs> I love the oh fuck this is moose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Bless, bless. That by the makes end, it even better. By the end, it was clear you nobody wants to be a werewolf. And Nick woke up. Wait, why and not? Essentially, you watch the video. Watch the video. Watch the show. Watch okay. the show. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Uh, speaking of things that went up this morning, a new episode of Party Mode uh, is up, edited by Roger McCorney. Remember, that is the Party Mode revival based on the playthrough of Super Mario 3D World that Tim and the crew have been doing during oh, the stream. Uh, this is episode four. You can catch that on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Speaking of YouTube.com, so it's kind of funny games. P.S. I love you. XOXO is recording later today live on Patreon. You still have time to write in. Our topic of the show is all about the features that the PS5 still needs. So give us your suggestions and stop writing in saying that availability is what the PS5 needs. Because we know the PS5 is hard to get, but we need actual PS5 features. So write in and let us know. Also, I'm being joined by Janet Garcia on that one. So look forward to that. Uh, and then in case you missed it, a new episode of The Blessing Show went up last week. It's the finale episode. It's an episode about dreams, made in dreams. You, you can check it out on YouTube.com slash KindOfFunnyGames. Uh, and I have just one request. Please get it past the views on Greg Miller's episode of The Blessing Show. Hell For yeah. the love of God. Let's make it happen. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Because yeah? last time I checked, it was at 30K Greg's was, was at. Awesome. Mine, 
I think is at, at around 22k. Oh, and so guys, I just need a, come a little bit more of a it. push, guys. 40k. Watch that club. video a second see, time. I want to see the blessing show the the dreams episode hit the 40k club. Let's let's make it happen. Let's do it. Let's share it, it with your friends, family, neighbors, everybody. Let them know. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Mick at the Nanobiologist, Tom Bach, uh, Trent Berry, and Blackjack. Today we're right, brought to you by DoorDash, ExpressVPN, and HelloFresh. But I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is, and forever will be, the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have seven stories today. Ah, Baker's Dozen. Which might actually be eight stories. I've not checked since I've added the breaking news. But... We are starting with breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Story number one, PlayStation Store on PS3 and PS Vita will continue operations. I am opening a new tab over to the PlayStation blog where Jim Ryan writes a whole post saying that players will be able to continue to purchase, to purchase games on PS3 and PS Vita. It goes like this. Recently, we notified players that PlayStation Store for PS3 and PS Vita devices was planned to end this summer. Upon further reflection, however, it's clear that we made the wrong decision here. So today, I'm happy to say that we will be keeping the PlayStation Store operational for PS3 and PS Vita devices. PSP Commerce functionality will retire on July 2nd, 2021, as planned. Boo! When we, boo. When we initially came to the decision uh, to end purchasing support for PS3 and PS Vita, it was born out of a number of factors, including commerce support, uh, challenges for older devices and the ability for us to focus more of our resources on newer devices where a majority of our gamers are playing on. We see now that many of you are incredibly passionate about being able to continue purchasing classic games on PS3 and PS Vita for the foreseeable future. So I'm glad we were able to find a solution to continue operations. I'm glad that we can keep that we can keep this piece of our history alive for gamers to enjoy while we continue to create cutting-edge new game worlds for PS4, PS5, and the next generation of VR. Thank you for sharing your feedback with us. We're always listening and appreciate the support from our PlayStation community. Tim, awesome, awesome pivot from PlayStation here. Vita means life, baby. It means life. Die. It's not dead. It may never die. No, man, this is awesome, and there's so much I want to point out here, but specifically the fact that this is Jim Ryan, on the PlayStation blog, the line upon further reflection, however, it's clear that we made the wrong decision here. Admitting that they made the wrong decision, fixing the decision, and then being transparent and over communicating exactly how this is going down. This is as much as we can ask for from this type of situation. It is fantastic that they've made this pivot. Uh, I am a little surprised, honestly, that it, that it's happening. But I do think that this is kind of showing a continuing trend that is starting to form in all forms of media and entertainment, whether it's video games, movies, or otherwise, where, you know, the, the people, the audience have a voice that is just as important and loud and vital as board members or whatever, because the board members are seeing the voice and it's so easy for a rallying cry to turn toxic and to kind of galvanize large groups of people to dominate every conversation. Like even things that are it's a positive things can turn negative so quickly. Like there couldn't be an EA press conference without every comment being 80% skate for skate for skate for. And at some point that just forces EA to be like, we're either banning the word skate for from every conversation we ever have, or we just got to make the fucking game to shut people up so we can actually talk about other things. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that bad? Is that good? Where is that? Uh, where's the, the sweet spot? I think that 
we're going to have to continue in this social media world a little longer as it matures to, to really figure that out. But I do think that at the end of the day, when it comes to the big dogs of PlayStation and Microsoft, we've seen this work for us in very positive ways with this and with the Xbox Live Gold price increase uh, last year. And the way that both of those were reversed seemingly within days, if not like early weeks, it's very impressive. And it shows that these giant corporations can listen. And I think that that's another valuable takeaway from this is that some things take time. Everything takes time. Everything is going to require a lot of the people kind of agreeing and talking to each other to be able to turn the ship. But signs like this, Jim Ryan, whether he's being forced to or or not, Mm -hmm. is listening. And is being the the scapegoat here, is being the voice, being the person that's like, hey, I we were wrong, I was wrong. It's a good thing. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Jim Ryan being the one to write the PlayStation PlayStation blog and come to us, starting with that statement, right, that you mentioned, right? Upon further reflection, it's been made made clear that we made the wrong decision here. I think that's such a powerful way to start start that off with. And to your point about where is the line, right? Like what what how, how do we continue to measure the value that the voices of the audience means to our big decisions that we're making with our company. I think I think a lot of where that value comes from is the difference between what we would call the vocal minority versus how much it how much of this is a I guess valuable majority of people that are speaking out and being like, no, we want this functionality. You know, I think when you talk about I, the quote unquote vocal minority, which in my mind is essentially the group of folks that are the loudest that are getting the most. Uh, visibility on social media or whatever platforms because they are the loudest. Therefore, uh, the, ex- the the extremeness of it gets the most clicks, the most views, the most likes, whatever. Versus, how many sensible voices are coming to are 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 coming out about this, talking about how wait no, this is a bad decision. Like you guys, you, if closing down the PS3 stores and the PS Vita stores is actually affecting a lot of developers that are still making PS Vita games and then also affecting uh, games preservation and also making you look bad in the face of the competition who are doing these things way better. You know, I think if we were in a world where Xbox wasn't pushing the boundaries of what preserving their their own library looks like and their own legacy game looks like, if they weren't doing that on a level that was very impressive when you're talking about FPS boost, when you're talking about Game Pass, when you're talking about still putting free games uh, with games of gold as a part uh, from Xbox 360 as a part of the current subscription, right? Like you're talking about different ways in which the competition is doing this stuff way better. If they weren't doing that, I think this would be a less likely thing that PlayStation would feel compelled to actually come through and actually do something. It's the I think it's the fact that them shutting down the stores for B- PS3, PS Vita, and PSP made them look like they just don't give a fuck to their audience, and the audience doesn't respond well to that. And so them coming out and saying that, and then also the one of the closing lines here that Jim Ryan writes in the blog, right? He says, "I'm glad that we can keep this piece of our gaming of our history alive for gamers to enjoy." That right there is exactly what people want from PlayStation. And so the oh, fact yeah. that the, that Jim Ryan himself is coming through saying that, putting in a blog, reversing this decision. It's such a big move, such a big step, and I, I would hope it is the shift toward PlayStation continuing to be the PlayStation that we want them to be, as opposed to turning into this PlayStation that we don't necessarily want, which is this cold, business-minded company. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting, and I think that I, I talk about this a lot, where there's like a language to superhero movies, where it took the 10 years of all the movies that we got to allow us to appreciate things like The Boys or Invincible uh, that kind of turn it on its head a little bit, right? And I think that when it comes to things like video game history and preservation, we hear it and it's kind of like, okay, I get what that, I, like, that's interesting and like, 
people like Jared Petty care. But when you hear other people talk about stuff about things that aren't even that old, like PlayStation 3 games, and start to explain the context of it all, of what this actually means for now and what it really means for later, I think the more people talk about this, the more people getting educated, the more interest there is in backwards compatibility in older games. We often debate like how many people are actually going back and playing old games. How important is it for PlayStation to have backwards compatibility? And a lot of this conversation was going into uh, what next gen currently became, right? But even there, I feel like as time goes on, especially right now, backwards compatibility is becoming more and more of something people expect and want to see. And that only happened because Microsoft doubled, tripled down on it so much. And now people are, they have a platform to have a voice to be loud about why this stuff matters and why PlayStation are making the wrong calls. So does this mean we're moving towards a, a, a backwards compatible system on PlayStation? Like, will we end up getting PS3, Vita, PSP, whatever games, PS2, PS1 on PS5 somehow? I think the fact that that isn't already the case, there there must be, if, between the cell processor stuff and all of the other things we've talked about for years, there's reasons why it doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if it, it was, if it was just easy, they would just have it, right? But clearly, PlayStation doesn't have everything together when it comes to cross-generational um, systems. But I do think that there's a bigger chance than ever that they're going to invest in making it work, even if it ends up costing them a lot of money, because right now it's just goodwill. But at a certain point, it's more than that. It's goodwill and it's expectations, and it's giving up a major, major piece of foundation for what a game library looks like. Library content, having that thing when there's not Days Gone 2 coming out, when there's not big sequels to games, it's like having just this like eternal backlog of quality things that on the Xbox side is continuing to grow and get better. Yeah. Well, on the Xbox side, I think the thing is that that's been impressive since the launch of the Xbox Series X and S is that they've continued to have big marketing beats. And that's without having big exclusive games. Like if there's one complaint that I have with my Xbox Series X so far is that there's not really been many first party exclusive games that I've shown up for. Like I love Tetris Effect Connected and I played a bit of Yakuza Like a Dragon when that uh, came out at launch of Xbox Series X. But despite that, you see Xbox continuing to have these big marketing beats, continuing to, to making these, continuing making big decisions that lead to folks evangelizing and being like, yo, Xbox is the place to be because they're able to, to say things like, hey, you know, you know how we just bought Bethesda? Now look at the, this large catalog of Bethesda games that are now available on, on Game Pass. Hey, you know, you know uh, all these legacy games that we got? Look at all the ones now that have 60 FPS boosts. Like my argument for PlayStation, because they there there have been the the quotes from uh, uh, folks from PlayStation who have said, yeah, like ba backwards compatibility and legacy games don't sell, which is why we don't do it, right? That's paraphrased, but that's essentially the sentiment mm -hmm. that they've shared about it. And my argument for that would be, would they sell better if you if you gave people re people reasons to want to revisit them? If you celebrated those titles, if you that's what I'm talking about the language, right? yeah, like it's the like language. It's, you need to you need to sell the story for us to want to buy it. And exactly. Xbox has sold that story very very well the last couple of years. So now people want to buy it on PlayStation, and when it's not available, that's where it's like, well, that's a clear loss. It's a clear loss on Sony's part. Yeah, just like this is actually this is actually fun news for me at this point because just last night, right before I went to bed, I uh, it's literally right here. I had my PS Vita, uh, and I opened it up, 
because I saw on Twitter some folks were talking about uh, Ratchet and Clank, and I was like, oh man, maybe I could, I guess I could get Ratchet and Clank on Vita because I wanted to catch up on um, uh, up your arsenal. And there was one other one, Going Commando. Going Commando. Yeah, and so like I booted up my Vita and I went and I just bought the Ratchet and Clank collection on Vita just cause. And I was like, fuck, man, I'm not gonna be able to do this in a few months. And again, like this news makes me so happy because I don't have to, I don't have to keep worrying about that, right? Like if I have that thing where I'm like, fuck, I should purchase x y and z game i should get persona 3 portable finally i don't have to worry about that <laughs> that being a ticking time bomb and so hallelujah mm-hmm. tim let's talk about story number two is apex legends the key to bringing back more titanfall i asked this question based off of uh two news story but the bigger one being that this morning we got a big old teaser for the new character coming to apex legends during its newest season i'm gonna pull from austin goslin at Polygon. And Austin Goslin is an amazing name, the way it runs. It is. Shout out to Love Austin Goslin. Uh, Kevin, I also have a teaser trailer you can pull up here as I'm reading through the story. Apex Legends series of, of fantastic s- stories from the Outlands animated shorts continue with Northstar, its latest release. The new entry in the series was released on Monday and revealed the game's newest character and its most direct connection yet with Titanfall. The animated short follows the story of Valkyrie, a pilot searching for a way into the Apex games. As we find out, her father was once the the pilot of a North Star-class Titan, but died, possibly in the Apex games himself. Whatever the cause of death, Valkyrie blames Titanfall 2 antagonist Kubin Blisk, who knew Valkyrie and her father, when she 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 was a child known as Viper. In the short, Valkyrie hunts Blisk down and is ready to take her revenge for her father. But Blisk explains that her dad knew the risks of what he was doing and would have wanted her to make her own legacy, rather than just avenging his. After a brief moment of hesitation, she tells Blisk that her new call sign is Valkyrie before walking away and seemingly preparing to enter the Apex games. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, right now, Kevin is playing Fucking part cool. of, the, of the trailer. And it's, it's another one of those ones where Apex Legends, know, they know how to do these character trailers. I'm such a big fan of these. Overwatch, I think, was the, was the game that came out and really nailed how to, how to uh, reveal a new character with this type of cinematic thing. And Apex Legends kind of follows in those footsteps and does it well, I'd say. But this is coming off of a weekend, and I'll even say like a week, of people speculating and trying to figure out what the newest season of Apex Legends is going to be because we've gotten teases from people on the inside, leaks and devs teasing that Titanfall content is coming to Apex. And so I'm going to bounce into this article from Logan Moore at comicbook.com who writes, Apex Legends developer continues to tease season nine crossover with Titanfall 2. It goes like this. We've been getting some pretty quiet teases for a few weeks now that season nine of Apex Legends is set to integrate content from Respawn Entertainment's Titanfall series in a pretty major way. Although we don't know all the specifics just yet of what this collaboration between the two could look like, one Respawn developer has provided another tease, another new tease in the interim. Moi Para, who works as an animator at Respawn Entertainment, encouraged fans on Twitter this weekend to make sure that they play Titanfall 2 if that's something they haven't already done. Take some time this weekend, quote, take some time this weekend to play through Titanfall 2 in case you haven't yet, Para said simply, quote, just saying. Tim, with all this laid out, I know you're not really an Apex Legends person, but like, what, where, where are you at with all this? I think this is super awesome. And I mean, like we're this trailer and these type of things, like the Overwatch lore is fantastic because of the trailers backing up the characters being fun to play in the game as as much as they are, right? Mm-hmm. And for Apex to 
have come out the way that it did, do the shadow drop, become the phenomenon, be as quality a video game that it is, for us to be all the way in season nine now, and they're just now getting even more into the Titanfall side of the, the world, I think is interesting, and it's a good sign for Titanfall. I know a lot of people are like, we're never going to see Titanfall 3. I do think that this is the type of thing that the support of this will end up with a new Titanfall project coming down the line. Uh, but I think that it's, whether or not that happens, I think this is a really cool integration and it's a good use of the IP and the world that Apex has built out, which at this point, you know, even like watching the Game Awards, we see like Roger Craig Smith, like playing his character and like doing bits as the character in the game. It's like Apex Legend has kind of become bigger than just another Battle Royale. It's kind of earned its space among Fortnite and Warzone as kind of like, yeah, these are games that are here to stay. You know, like so many have come and gone, but it's like there are now, I'd say, the pillars of Battle Royale games and the big three would be Fortnite, uh, Apex, Apex and, and Call of Duty, Warzone. And Warzone, right? Yeah. And like uh, they, they kind of each have their own vibe and their own thing going. And, and that's it's cool that their own thing is what makes them stand out. And one of the things that Apex has is this Titanfall world that's cool as shit. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I I'm right there with you in ter- in terms of Apex Legends being the thing that might be might bring back Titanfall. That's the reason why I named this new story that is because like you look at Apex Legends, and I'm looking at an article from The Verge right now that was posted five days ago that talks about how Apex Legends now has more than a hundred million unique players globally. That is a lot of players that have touched Apex compared to how Titanfall 2 did, which if you remember, Tidefall 2 was screwed by EA in terms of its timing of release, where it was sandwiched between, I believe, Battlefield and also Call of Duty, which mm-hmm. meant that Tidefall was the one that kind of got screwed in that process of getting players in. And to the question of another EA game, like they shot yeah, themselves. Yeah, exactly. In the that. Exactly. And to the question of will we see Tidefall three, I would say easily the answer would be no, based on how sell- sales of Tidefall two have gone, but. Apex Legends being as popular as it is, and Apex Legends being part of the Titanfall universe, and possibly being a conduit through which people can come through, get exposed to Titanfall, maybe fall in love with Titanfall, and then you release a new Titanfall game that maybe does way better than Titanfall 2 did. I think that's a possibility, and I think that's a really cool thing. Uh, And so them pulling in more Titanfall content into Apex, I think from that standard, uh, makes a lot of sense. But even just from the the standpoint of players, players... loving Titanfall 2, right? People loving that campaign, people loving that world and wanting to see more of that game. You know, I think this is a win-win for everybody involved. Totally. And I do think that we're in a world where games can be anything nowadays. They don't need to be $60 physical releases that have single player and multiplayer suites and blah, 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 because Apex exists as this free-to-play game that is the multiplayer mode. They could just make a Titanfall 3 that is just a sequel to Titanfall 2 campaign, right? And it could be small. I mean, Titanfall 2 was, what, six hours? Like, Titanfall 3 could just be, or whatever, it doesn't even be called 3. Like, a Titanfall campaign project could come out as part of, it could be Apex Legends Titanfall or whatever the hell, right? And it's just, here is a three-hour campaign that we're putting out. And, like, kind of have that, like, more of a, a Uncharted Lost Legacy type vibe. Like, even more so that than a Miles Morales, which I think is even a bigger project, right? Like that is yep. closer to a more real experience. Smaller things here and there to build out this lore, because if they're going to have these trailers and these CG things, 
there could be games to back that up and back up that world as well. And I think that that is a future that I'm very excited about. And I totally wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Yeah, I think the options are plenty for how to bring back more Titanfall. I'm going to bring in a question from Emmett Watkins Jr. who writes in a patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like you can and says, you already know what it is, boys or girls. I don't know if there's a last minute host switch. At this point, I'm sure y'all have seen the Titanfall or not the Titanfall. I'm sure y'all have seen the Apex Legends lore videos that tease up Titanfall content coming to Apex in season nine. I just want to know, what do y'all think about it? And with what we know now, do you think this will lead to Titanfall content merging with Apex more, or if or if this is more of a tease for a proper threequel? Thanks for everything. Thanks for everything. Love you all. I will now calm down until season nine drops. And he does the prayer hands emojis. <laughs> uh, and this is piggybacking off of pretty much what you you said, Tim. That there are options. I wouldn't. Like I wouldn't count anything out in terms of more Titanfall coming through. I would say I would say at the very least that you will see more Titanfall, and that could look like Titanfall three. That could look like a thirty dollar Titanfall release that is just a single player campaign or just a multiplayer campaign, or that maybe even could look like adding a new mode into Apex and turning and Apex into a game that's half battle royale, half half multiplayer, half campaign. I think that, that that would be the key is like whether it's seasonal or whether it's just a different game mode as part of Apex, but building out a Titanfall multiplayer suite totally makes sense if they build it right and if there is that demand. And I do think that at this point, they're close. With the numbers you're talking about, the players in Apex, it's like that's that many more people that are already in that you can sell on this thing that they're probably going to like if they like this. So yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful too, Tim. You know what else I'm hopeful about? What? Story number three, the makers of Celeste are making a new game. Uh, Kevin, I have a Twitter teaser here that you can pull up uh, while I'm reading through this story. Earthblade, that's the name of our next game. And also I'm reading directly from their blog post that they posted about it. Earthblade, that's the name of our next game. We're also showing off this teaser poster and a snippet from the game's soundtrack. The poster and logo are made by Pedro Medeiros and the music by Lena Raine. Shout out to Lena Raine. She also did the, the soundtrack for Celeste, which is excellent. Think of this as a vibe reveal. We didn't want to reveal too much about the game or story just yet, but we think that this well establishes the world and the feeling behind it. Fuck yes, dude. Dude, those vibes, that music right there. Yeah. Kevin, are you able to turn this down? Because this is very loud in our ears. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah, dude, it was super I'm loud stoked. In our ears. Obviously, oh, gotcha, Celeste, gotcha. one of my favorite games of all time at this point. Definitely one of my uh, the best games of the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And this seems radically different, both just in color, both in like style of gameplay. They're saying here uh, it is a 2D. Oh, man. Sorry, it's, it's hard to read on the screen. A 2D Explorer action game set in a seamless pixel art world. Mm -hmm. That is very different than a 2D platformer like Celeste is that is kind of, you know, the punishingly difficult trial and error type gameplay. This vibe kind of reads to me a little bit more Chrono Trigger, a little bit like yeah, I saw people mana in, type People vibes. in chat are saying, are, a lot of people are saying mana, uh, which I think yeah, makes sense. For yeah. yeah. So I, I guess Chrono Trigger is more turn-based where this uh, 2D Explore action game, I, I guess we're getting a bit more like... Think of for blessed to explain to you it's like a more top-down 2d kingdom hearts you okay. know okay or i guess zelda is like mickey, a zelda type mouse in there? <laughs> no no mickey mouse oh, uh man. but man super stoked this this is a team that anything that they make or announce i'm going to be interested in and this definitely hits all the 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 vibes that i'm looking for 
Yeah, I'm all about this. I love when indie developers try something brand new and different and fresh for their uh, next game, right? Like I, the I think the other studio I look at that feels like they've made a similar pivot would be Sabotage, uh, where they went from making the Messenger and their next game, I believe, is that Sea of Stars, the one that looks like it's going to be Chrono Trigger ish. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, looks rad as hell too. Yeah, and that looks super rad also. And so I'm all about that. That's really, that's really cool. And again, it kind of it kind of goes back to that thing for me where it's so hard to make a Celeste 2. It's so hard to make a second hit hit game. You know, you look at something like Guacamelee and I hear, I hear people say great things about Guacamelee 2, but Guacamelee 2 still didn't make the same splash as uh Guacamelee 1 did just because I think it's so hard to live up to something that came through out of nowhere and knocked people back. And so for mm-hmm. uh, even for Drinkbox's next game, Nobody Saves the World, I look at that and I'm like, oh, let's fucking go. This looks fucking cool and different and really fun. Mm-hmm. I think I'm able to I'm able to have that reaction because it is something that is different and fresh and new. And so, well, on top of that, to I think that a lot of these indie games we're talking about, like what makes them special is they are a singular vision that is completed. You know, it's like it's kind of like here is this thing we're going to put you in a world, and then by the end of it, everything you need to know about it has been answered. And I feel like Celeste did that limbo inside, right? Like I like to see these different things. And Celeste, it, what's interesting about like these developers is Celeste comes after Towerfall, right? Which yep. was very similar to aspects of Celeste, but obviously one multiplayer, one single player, uh, and and but the physics and all the things there were at least similar, um, and. I wonder what that's going to mean for this, where it's like, are there going to be the aspects from the previous games that we kind of see, similar to how Limbo and uh, Outside have similar things, but they're totally different experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what, it's very stoked about this. They have proven that they know how to take what's special about old games and make them new. Like Celeste isn't just a retro platformer. It's like it is it feels a modern. modern platformer in such in so many ways. So what a modern 2D explore action game looks like, very excited to see. Hell yeah. Uh, Tim, I want to keep talking about a company that's making modern moves. Story number four, Xbox Cloud Gaming is coming to more devices. I'm pulling from news.xbox.com. As we shared at the end of last year, we're bringing Xbox to more players on more devices via the cloud this year. Starting tomorrow, we'll begin sending out invites to select Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members to start testing the Xbox Cloud Gaming Limited Beta for Windows 10 PCs and Apple phones and tablets via web browsers. We're launching xbox.com slash play, where invitees uh, can play over 100 Xbox Game Pass titles through Edge, Google Chrome, or Safari. Offering cloud gaming through the browser and having a simplified universal landing page presents a great opportunity to make cloud gaming approachable to more players in more places over time. The limited beta is our time to test and learn. We'll send out more invites on a continuous basis to players in all 22 supported countries, evaluate feedback, continue to improve the experience, and add support for more devices. Our plan is to iterate quickly and open up open up to all Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members in the coming months to, in the coming months so more people have the opportunity to play Xbox in all new ways. And so there you have it. Xbox Cloud Gaming is coming to iOS, but with the caveat that it will be through the browser. Utterly incredible news. I love this, man. Kevin, what is Next Gen all about? Convenience, my dude. 
Thank you very much. It is about convenience. And Xbox has continued to prove that in that sense, they are the superior console. And decisions like this, pushes like this are exactly why. It sucks that because of all the Apple stuff that there can't just be a native iOS app that just works. Mm -hmm. That, of course, would be the ideal. And that, of course, would push Game Pass to an entirely different stratosphere uh, in terms of success. But coming up with workarounds that honestly aren't that inconvenient. Like, like just having it through apps that are on your phone already, things that we know work like Google Chrome, that's awesome. And like how perfectly it works, we'll have to see. But Xbox Cloud Gaming has shown that they have what it takes for these things to work because they have all of the systems in place. They have the online infrastructure. They have the library of games with Game Pass. They have the ability. They have the controller that feels good. Like they are, mm-hmm. we're already steps ahead of Stadia and even something like Amazon Luna or whatever because they're xbox and they've been this is what they do right uh they're not entering a new field so very exciting stuff i love the idea that one day lg tvs will get the apps that you can have game pass or uh even if it's not that like just the ability to on any screen you want play your games is crazy but it's a reality it's not a future anymore it is like it's here it's just there's a couple steps in the way and to me, every single time we get in some news about this, those steps are just getting minimized until eventually it is just going to work the way that you want it to work. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be a day where we wake up and all of this is just solved and all and we're it's not it's not us looking forward to the future anymore. It is it being here. And for me, mm-hmm. that last that the last step that I'm looking forward to will be the Xbox app being available on my smart TV. Like being able to just mm-hmm. download it and being able to play games on the cloud. That is the step I'm looking for. And that is going to be the thing that I think is going to take xCloud to the next level. Uh, because that makes it available to so many people. I mean, it's already available to so many people on your smartphones, right? Or on your, on your laptop. Uh, and people can get access to it in, each, in, in so many ways currently. But I think for me and I think for quite a few people, right? Like being able to just boot it up on your TV, not even worry about owning a console, being able to play Xbox games. That's going to be huge. Uh, and yeah. I'm... I'm excited for it with every with every single announcement I see about Xbox Cloud Gaming and it coming to a new platform or them adding things like touch controls to to phones and every new feature that comes to it. I'm like, let's fucking go. We're almost there. Mm-hmm. The feature is now. Totally, man. Tim, I'm really excited mm-hmm. to tell you about our next news story. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsors. Of course, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by DoorDash. You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone is craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. DoorDash connects you with the restaurants you love right now, right to your door. And now you can get the grocery essentials you need with DoorDash too. Get drinks, snacks, and other household items delivered in under an hour. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want from the store, where you want it from, uh, and your items will be left safely outside your door with the contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Australia, and now Canada, you can support your your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your national from your favorite national restaurants like Popeyes, Chipotle, and Cheesecake Factory. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code Games2021. For our Canadian listeners, use code GamesCA. That's 25% off up. 
to $10 in value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code GAMES2021 in the U.S. and GAMESCA in Canada. Don't forget, that's code GAMES2021 or GAMESCA for 20, for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. Before I read this next ad, I'm taking off my jacket. I don't know how I don't know why it might be Michael Hyam, but like the heater kicked in and I am hot as fuck right now. <laughs> We're also brought to you by ExpressVPN. Are you running out of shows to watch? Would you like access to the next upcoming anime or British crime drama? You can use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. ExpressVPN lets you change your online location so you can control where you want sites to think you're located. Open the app, select a location, tap one button to connect, and refresh the page to access thousands of new shows and movies. Choose from, choose from almost 100 different countries. Watch Studio Ghibli films on UK Netflix. Watch anime on Japanese Netflix. Watch Doctor Who on UK Netflix. This works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, and more. You can stream in HD, no problem, no buffering or lag. It's compatible with all your devices, phones, laptops, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. Not only does it let you change your location, it also encrypts your data and lets you surf the web safely and anonymously. Go to expressvpn.com games to get an extra three months free of ExpressVPN for free. expressvpn.com games. We're also brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh offers 25-plus recipes to, uh, to choose from each week, from vegetarian meals to craft burgers and extra special gourmet options. There's something for everyone to enjoy with all recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. HelloFresh has a wide variety of easy, delicious options for all three meals a day, plus every snack and special treat in between. Kind of Funny loves HelloFresh. Many of us on the team, like me and Tim, have used it to make home cooking nutritional and easy. And let me tell you, I am not a cook. I do not cook things that well and that often. HelloFresh made it easy. Made it easy. Are you the same, Tim? Oh, of course. Yeah. I'm not so a cook there you either. He ain't a cook. Just like, just like I'm not a rapper. I'm not a rapper, though. Uh, go to HelloFresh.com slash 12games and use code 12games for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash 12games with the code 12games for 12 free meals, including free shipping. America's number one meal kit. What's up, Tim? I, I have never... I don't know how I've known you as long as I've known you, and I've never never realized... How much you look like super hot fire. No, need... I don't. First of Are all, you that kidding man, me? no, I do not. That man is light skinned. I look nothing like that man. Yes, super hot you fire. You do. You got the glasses. You're a tinier dude. You got a tiny frame. No, nah, man. We just need There's to get no you a way. leather jacket. You got the bars. I know. Yeah, I'm onto something here. I love I love super hot fire so much though. So I ain't even mad at it. I'm not even mad at it. I'm not a rapper though. God, we should <laughs> What one of the one of the Twitch streams for Internet Explorer is whenever we're doing one of those ones. We gotta we gotta watch super we just hot watch fire videos. Just watch all of those videos. Just watch yeah. all of them because they're fucking gold. I am gold. so in, man. God, 
Uh, let's move over to story number five. Double Fine promises that Psychonauts is coming this year. This is from <laughs> from at Double Fine on Twitter. They tweeted out this morning. Uh, and yes, Psychonauts two is this year. And yes, I've been mentioning that here and elsewhere for a while. But no, I can't tell you when because someone from the company would arrange for a mysterious quote cactus accident to happen to me. But it is real. It is playable. It is coming. And that is directly from the at Double Fine. Uh, Twitter, which Crazy. I would like to just think is Tim Schafer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Out. And uh, I will believe it when I see it. Psychonauts 2 is a game that I'm like, how is it not out? But, you know, mm -hmm. that's just how the, the cookie crumbles and Double Fine puts its games out when they're ready. So them saying this year, that's cool. Something to look forward to. It's at least at least this isn't delay news, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice in 2021 to have a, uh, a developer come out and be like, hey, no, we're sure. You know, we have confidence that this is coming out in, in 2021. And that doesn't, that none of this is ever 100% as, we, as, as we've learned a million times. But mm -hmm. it is nice that it seems like there are some folks that are like, no, we got this. We got this under control. We can do this. Um, Tim, let me talk about a, games that, a game that's not coming out in 2021 or ever, it seems like. <laughs> Story number six, Amazon cancels its Lord of the Rings game. This is Jason Schreier at Bloomberg. Amazon's embattled video game division has canceled an online role-playing game Damn. based on the fantasy series Lord of the Rings, which was announced in 2019 in another setback for the technology giant. The game had been in development at Amazon Game Studios alongside the China-based Liu Technologies Holdings, which was purchased by conglomerate Tencent Holdings in December. The resulting contract negotiations led to a dispute between Amazon and Tencent that eventually caused the game's cancellation, said people familiar with the matter. Uh, who asked not to be identified because they weren't authorized to speak publicly about the issue. An Amazon spokesperson confirmed that after Tencent's acquisition of Liu, quote, we have, been we have been unable to secure terms to proceed with the title at this time, end quote. The Amazon team working on the game will, will be moved to other projects. Quote, we love the Lord of the Rings IP and are disappointed that we won't be bringing the, this game to customers, the spokesperson for the Seattle-based company said in a statement. The cancellation follows a string of bad news for Amazon Game Studios, which has been, been unable to release a successful video game since launching in 2014. The company has canceled previous announced games, uh, Breakaway and Crucible. Another, another of its games, New World, has been delayed repeatedly. So another one bites the dust for Amazon. You hate to see Amazon, it. man. Amazon, not, not doing great when it comes to, no. to games actually getting off the ground. I mean, it's crazy, too, because they have the money. You know, and it's like I, I remember years ago, there was so many rumors circulating about Amazon being the one to buy Bethesda, being the one to make some power moves of buying big, big, big game devs that have multiple studios that have a proven track record. And to see where they're at now, it's like interesting, specifically with them having Luna that seems to be working well. Like it's a good service. It's a good product. And it being, you know, kind of alongside Stadia, which by all accounts is failing. And while some people do enjoy it, it's it's demonstrably not the success story that Google would want it to be, right? Uh, and I feel like with Amazon, it's it's interesting that they seem to kind of just be building Luna more on the, the backside where mm -hmm. the front-facing stuff was all of this studio conversation. Um, so where Amazon will be in the game space in a couple of years, that is what I'm really interested in. And I imagine it is way more on the service side, so the Luna side, because they do have... Amazon cloud systems, they are, they are one of the most reliable and powerful uh, servers in the world. So server companies. So mm -hmm. 
I think that that's going to be where where their game studios or their gaming platforms end up more because I think one by one these are just going to get canceled and cut away until none of them actually exist. Yeah, this one to me uh, is another tale of companies that aren't game companies trying to come in and make video games and learning how difficult it is to actually make a video game like we saw with Google Stadia first party. And I think Amazon is going through the same thing of, hey, dude, we can enter the game space because we got the technology, we got the services, we got uh, uh, our, 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 our cloud-based stuff that is, that is rocking it. We can come through and do this. And it is the actual development side when it comes to actually making video games proves to be a very tough thing to get into. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we'll see, we'll see how, uh, what's, what's called New World, We'll see how New World uh, pans out if that actually if that, if that actually eventually comes out and if it actually does well. I got one more news story for you here, Tim. Uh, story number seven: Nier's Yokotaro is working on a download-only game. This is Grayson Morales at Game Rant. According to a tweet from a reliable video game Twitter source at Nibelian, Yokotaro and Yosuke Saito will be working together on a new game that won't be releasing in a physical format that will apparently that won't be releasing in a physical format that will apparently, quote, feel nostalgic, but also fresh. The news comes from an article over at Games Talk, a Japanese site for video game news that covered a recent Nier livestream. Taro also explained during the livestream that the download-only title is hard to explain to people, and he doesn't, even, <laughs> he doesn't even know how he will sell it to people. He also mentions that it's mysterious and more information will be coming in a few days. And so I guess we'll look forward to that one. Yep. I Tim. love it. Stay weird, I, I man. Stay weird and stay quality. I love I love weird game directors. I'm such mm-hmm. a big fan of Suda51 because he makes weird shit and it's weird shit that vibes with me. Yoko Taro also makes weird shit and he makes weird shit that vibes with me. There's so many developers I can name that make weird shit that vibe with me. There are also weird developers that make weird shit that don't vibe with me. But I am so willing to see Yoko Taro try something that is super weird, that's not traditional, that probably won't vibe with me but i'm willing to see how it pans out right i know Maybe. it's gonna vibe with somebody i'm sure love it, it. but tim the release mm-hmm. of this new yokotaro digital only game is so far away if i want to know what's coming out to mom up shops today where would i look the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of funny games daily show host each and every weekday yeah yeah out today, we got MLB The Show 21 for PS5, PS4, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and Xbox Series S. And then we also got Don't Forget Me. That's out today for PC. New dates for you. Retro Roguelite Shmup Jet, Jetboard Joust arrives on Switch in Atari VCS on May 18th. Atari VCS. Tim, do you know what an Atari VCS is? Yeah. It's remember the new wait, no, console that was the they made? television that was coming is it, out. Did that come out? <laughs> is it the hotel? Can you play this at the hotel? No, that's the, that's <laughs> just the hotel. That's just the Atari hotel. Yeah, the Atari VCS is Atari reimagined. It's a PC slash console hybrid that you could pre-order now. Okay, so it's not out out, but apparently it's going it to be out look like by it. the time this game comes out, and so. We shall see about that one. And then it's the killer uh, app, the killer app, Jetboard Joust. Mm-hmm. Th- then we also got Sherwood Extreme. Uh, that game brings parkour crossbow action to Steam Early Access on May 12th and on Xbox in Q4. Tim, folks can write in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where they can get the show ad free. They can also write in with their questions, just like Brendan Riley did. Brendan writes in and says, Hey, Blessing Tim, 
The other day, the creative director for Days Gone, John Garvin, said, quote, if you love a game, buy it at full bleeping price. At full fucking price. I can't tell you how many times I've seen gamers say, yeah, I got that on sale. I got it through PS Plus, whatever, dot, dot, dot. Don't complain if a game doesn't get a sequel if I, if it wasn't supported at launch, end quote. And again, I guess that is that is all John Garvin. Uh, back to Brendan. I understand the sentiment, but at the same time, I disagree to a certain extent. For starters, not everyone can afford to drop $60 or now $70 on every new game they want to support. Or maybe they can, but they don't know they don't know if they're going to love a game and don't want to flush that full price down the toilet, so they, they wait to try a game when it's on sale. That's just basic consumer behavior. I get that he's, prob- I get that he's probably frustrated that Days Gone didn't get the sequel he'd hoped for, but does the blame for the sequel not happening really fall at the feet of the gamers who didn't buy something that they weren't sure, sure of and didn't blow the doors off the industry that didn't blow the doors off the industry with high critical praise? Personally, I think people who are who are just now discovering the game through a service like PS Plus and are disappointed that there won't be a sequel have every right to feel that way. What do you think, Tim? Where do you stand on all this? Is it on the consumers to buy a, buy a game at launch, dude? I mean, it's, it has to be on somebody or else it's not going to happen. This is such a complicated situation because at the end of the day, it, you, when you're a high-profile creative, and especially when you are a creative that's working on a product like a video game where you're not necessarily a face of it, like you're not necessarily – like nobody knows too many game directors, right? There's a handful mm-hmm. of them that we recognize, but otherwise we might know the name. But even if that, we don't usually get to hear them talk. It is just a common thing that the more creative people get to say about the behind the scenes going ons of their projects and their work, it's going to be problematic. They're going to say some things that are going to come off the wrong way because at the end of the day, business is business. And there is, it is, we don't live in a world where someone has a vision for a project and it just happens. And whether it's good or bad or makes money or doesn't make money, that you just get to keep doing that over and over and over unless there are systems in place to support that. Right. Mm-hmm. There are a ton of examples of people that make products to make sure that they have a consistent revenue stream to allow other teams to get weird and do things that aren't, you know, traditionally the right way to go. And they're being held to different standards and different key performance indicators. When it comes to being a Sony first party developer, the, the expectations are through the roof, as we've seen the last couple uh, weeks with a lot of the Jim Ryan quotes and et cetera, et cetera, and just the conversation around Days Gone. I, I do feel for this situation where it, I, I think that when you take this quote out of context, it sounds really bad. I think when you take the quote in context of where it was said and how it was said, it's really bad. But that's the freedom of the conversation. And the moment you put your opinion out there, people are going to have opinions on your opinion. And that is what we're seeing here. And I think that I, from what I take about this from listening to the interview and actually consuming the content there, it's not just talking about Days Gone here. There's also the the conversation about other games and like the, the PSP games and Siphon Filter and so many factors at play that go into this where for people that, that haven't heard the interview yet, uh, like Siphon Filter on PSP was torrented to hell because the PlayStation Portable was infamously easy to hack and to illegally pirate games. Mm. So Sony wasn't doing anything to protect that, to protect the team. So of course teams and developers are going to feel a type of way about business models being instilled on them when they feel like they're not being protected. And that's frustrating, but that frustration is going to come out in quotes that are really kind of icky and hurt people and make people like rub people the wrong way. 
But what I do think is that at the end of the day, obviously, if people pay more money for a game, that's going to be good for the developer, good for whatever. I don't think that this is saying everybody should buy this game and like how you're supposed to know if you love a game if you haven't played it yet. I think this is saying it's if you have the means to support the game, you should you do it. The amount of times I've played a game on sale or played a game on Game Pass or something like that and enjoyed it so much that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy a physical copy of this because I want to support them extra. Like, it's been countless times that I've done that. I understand not everyone's in the position to be able to do that. And that's totally cool. If you are, though, that's what he's saying. That's what's coming across here is that support these games or else they're not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And if that rubs you the wrong way, cool. But just understand that there's a system in place that this is why a lot of games don't get sequels. And this is why a lot of other games do get sequels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say that I think the industry has moved past a place where buying a game at launch is the only way to support it right like we've seen we've seen so many offerings and like so many so many different platforms come through that have provided different ways to support games whether it be ps plus or whether it be game pass or whether it be streaming you know i think in in terms of buying a game at launch being the way that you support a game if you want a sequel i i i see where they're coming from but i do think there is a bit of i there's a there's a bit of lack of of putting yourself in the shoes of, of a consumer, especially for a game like Days Gone, which came out and was a new IP that was from a from a studio that didn't really have an IP that big to kind of judge that based off of, right? Like the previous the previous games for Ben Studios were PS Vita games, and so for a game like Days Gone to come out and want to support it at launch, like you can as a, as a PlayStation fan, I understand being like, yo, I'm gonna buy this game because it looks like something I want to play, and it's on this platform coming from a publisher that. I trust and I want to continue to support. I understand that sentiment, but for me as a consumer, I didn't play Days Gone at launch, and I still haven't played Days Gone. We plan to play, play we plan to play Days Gone uh, next month for PS I Love You uh, for our book club, but I didn't buy it because I knew it was it was it was a new IP that was unproven, and so for me, I was like, cool, I'll wait for reviews. Reviews came out, reviews were not that favorable, therefore I didn't buy it. And like, and I guess like, I guess for for the comment here that we're basing this off of, right? Like, this is talking about people who are fans who do want to see a sequel and all this stuff. I'm not necessarily a person that that is fighting for a sequel to Days Gone, and so maybe I'm not the the audience here. But I do understand the idea of folks at launch missing out on the game at launch because of reviews and impressions, and then waiting for a sale or waiting for PS Plus to play the game because the game just didn't live up to the standard that people hold their sixty dollars or the seventy dollars to, because that is a lot of money for people. Like spending sixty dollars or seventy dollars on a brand new game from a brand new IP, that is a that's a large chunk of money to to lay down for that. And totally, yeah. But the reality of this is that sixty or seventy dollars is why big AAA scale new IP can even exist at all. And that's what I was talking about. There needs to be this ebb and flow uh, mm-hmm. ecosystem. But the thing is, that needs to work on all levels where. PlayStation and whoever is at the top, in this case, it's PlayStation, needs to create an ecosystem for their developers that feels like they're empowering them so that the devs don't need to feel like the gamers need to buy games at full price for those games to be able to be successful. Sales and PS Plus and all that stuff, decisions that often are made from above the teams, those need to be benefiting the teams to be able to help them succeed so that this isn't the mentality and this isn't the way that they feel like there is an uphill battle right their job should be just mm-hmm. making the game making good games and then sony's job should be making sure that they're hitting these targets and all that stuff right yeah so that's where i think this gets interesting where just like everyone has their own perspective to this and their perspective isn't going to line up like it's the classic triangle of charmander squirtle bulbasaur of when it's 
the the bosses, the devs, and the gamers. All I, of them need need each other, but there's something that they can't always work together. I mean, I did, I I agree, but I also disagree to some extent because I do think that part of that is antiquated when we're talking about the purpose of first party video games. Right now, on the Xbox side. A, a, a lot of the purpose of first-party video games, of course, is to sell software, right? Like, you want Halo Infinite to eventually go on and sell 10 million copies or whatever the number is. But on the Xbox side, I think you also do want the, uh, software to sell Game Pass, right? Like, how, how, much, how, much, uh, how much do Psychonauts copies uh, or Psychonauts sales matter if Psychonauts gets however many people to subscribe to Game Pass? And on the PlayStation side, I think there is value in terms of, hey, this game might not have sold however many copies at launch but over the course of its life cycle it did go on to sell this much and it is selling playstation consoles and it is selling playstation plus to people i think that becomes more conversation of the the big publisher going all right what is the value of each ip what is the value of each franchise what does this bring to the table not every game needs to be spider-man where it sells three million copies in the first three days uh i think there i think there are way more metrics than launch day sales to measure when it comes to what it takes to greenlight a video game for days gone i'll venture to i'll venture to guess that days gone 2 didn't get greenlit not because of sales because people did buy days gone it was that was probably more so of a, of a metacritic thing and that game not living up to re, the review standards that playstation has for big first well, that, party they games. talk about that in, yeah. in the interview as well okay. and, and all that stuff's very interesting but i mean to your point bless like i agree with you but what's interesting is Let's see how many new IPs, big new IPs we get in the coming years from this. Like mm-hmm. all everything you said about Game Pass and all that stuff working is fantastic, but it's gonna create very different games than otherwise a big triple A new IP and then those new IP then getting follow-up sequels. It's it's gonna be a very different landscape in the next 10 years, especially on the Xbox side, because the financials and the goals, the key performance indicators of Xbox are simply different than Sony. Yeah. Selling Game Pass, uh, like a you know, a smaller in investment from the consumer they want the quanti- quantity of that they want long term they want both a ridiculous amount of subscribers subscribing for a long time which then gets them the money but that money still looks different than 20 million copies sold at 60 mm-hmm. or 70 dollars so we'll see tim it's time to move mm-hmm. over to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong let's you write in let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and on podcast services around the globe let's see here uh we got some old ones people are talking about credenzas i believe that was for friday's games daily i assume uh people are writing with breaking news that we already talked about and we're writing about that apex game being a mobile game now wait what now People in chat were saying Apex Apex is going to be mobile. It's coming to mobile. But wait, I really? Know. I mean, that's what they said. Oh, interesting. It was a link. Yeah, nanobiologist here saying, uh, "Miss new date. Apex Legends mobile beta is launching this month. No crossplay oh. with other systems." Well, there you Boring. go. Uh, Lost in the sauce says MLB the Show twenty one is actually coming out tomorrow, April April twentieth. So that was wrong. Out today. I mean, you. we'll see. Uh, Nanobot says the Atari VCS released to backers on December 14th, 2020. And I'm going to say that is it. Tim, today's mm-hmm. Monday, which means we have a whole week 
to look forward to you from KFGD hosts. Tomorrow's hosts for Kind of Funny Games Daily are going to be Paris and Gary Witta. After that, Hell Wednesday, yeah. you're getting me and Daniel Dwyer. Thursday, you're getting Tim and Fran. And then Friday, you're getting me and then Fran. But I'm going to add a question mark because I don't know if that was ever confirmed. But expect probably me and Fran on Friday. If I, I want to say to everyone watching this, uh, tomorrow we got Paris hosting with Gary Witta. This is a big deal because this is the first time ever that Paris is going to host and run the show. So he's going to prep the doc. He's he's doing the whole thing. And to my knowledge, that's the first time Paris is doing that on any kind of funny show. So be Uh-oh. extra cool, be extra supportive, show up, and, and show Paris all the love that he very much deserves. Tell Paris you love him. If you're watching this live on Twitch right now, after this is Mike and Nick playing what, Kevin? Uh, oof. They're playing What's Warzone, the but before they is. do that, there we're going to react to the Shang-Chi trailer. And if you're on Twitch watching live, we're about to do that live. Hell yeah. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show. Actually, let me pause there. Tim, do we have a Patreon post show? Because I know it's a busy we day. We, we do? do? Okay. We, do. we got a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, Game Daily.